Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, another week, another millionaire or billionaire or trillionaire up in space, back down from space. Yes, indeed. Did you watch it? I watched it live. It was fascinating. I didn't. I think the reason I don't want to watch it live is I would get quite upset if it blew up. Uh, yes, there are plenty of people around the world who have the opposite reaction, but then oh. that's just uh, Schadenfreude. There were three, I think, really interesting things. If only the Germans had a word it. for that. If only they did. Three interesting things about the yes. uh, Jeff Bezos and his flight into space. One is um, that there was no video stream inside the capsule, which is really very bizarre. Uh, you couldn't see inside at all. Nor Whereas could people see... were complaining there was a video stream when Branson went up. Uh, well, nor could you see through the windows. So you saw this thing, it was only in the air for 11 minutes. or yes. And so you saw them say, oh, wow, gosh, that's awesome. Look at that. You can see. The... But you couldn't. You All you could hear is people ranting about how great it was. Do we know why? Uh, no, we don't know why. I suppose did, they... Did none of them take a camera with them? I mean, thought... I would have got the camera have with to me. do it next week. Yeah, sorry, well, I have to go again, guys. I forgot to bring my <laughs> camera with me. The second uh, curious yes. thing is, yes. uh, as has been reported, the man, the anonymous man who paid $28 million for yeah. uh, a seat, um, was too busy to go. Yes. It was a, uh, what was it, a scheduling conflict or something like yes. that? Yes. But you think if he'd paid $28 million for his seat, he'd have moved his other commitment. Well, there must anyway. have been even more important. It must have been. Uh, so uh, that left... Um, Wouldn't you? Left, but, I mean, we, we've been wondering who it was to begin with, and they paid £28 million, but they don't want anybody to know. But then, I mean, it's just utterly bizarre to say, well, it I is. paid £28 million. Uh, actually, I can't go anyway. I've got something else on. Yeah, it's... it's, it's um, I don't know. It's, ten, it's tennis night with my wife. It is. <laughs> I don't... It's just... I, I want to know. I'm desperate no. to know what on earth was going on. Yes. So that left uh, Jeff Bezos and his brother and Wally Funk, who we talked yes. about last week, 82 yes. years old, the oldest person in space, mm-hmm. along she with the oldest the person the oldest, or the oldest woman. Oh, maybe the oldest woman. Uh, yes, maybe the oldest woman. Right. Because yeah. um, uh, the, the $28 million man was substituted by uh, the youngest person in space, one Oliver Damon. Yes. who said that going into space fulfilled a lifelong dream. <laughs> He's 18. Well, I suppose... Every 18-year-old no... has had a lifelong dream of being an astronaut. I would love now to be able to quote the, the youngest person to write an autobiography, but I'm not sure that it's much beyond 18. No, quite possibly not. It'll probably be a pop star or something like that. Yes. And the third curious thing about it... My life struggles or something was probably called. Yes. <laughs> the... The third curious thing about it was the shape of the rocket. Did you see the rocket? Oh, no, I don't think I did. It's shaped like a penis. Can I say that on show radio? Well, you already have. Yes. Yes. It is quite a Metal appendage, I think you mean. Yes. Like a gentleman's appendage, exactly. Yes, yes. Um, Very, very strange indeed. Anyway, moving on from there. Well, you think they must have known. It's a little like I went to Iceland many years ago and they, they, they... well, first of all, they are the only place in the world to have a museum devoted to that, not to actually the male, um, not male human anyway, it's every every other animal, but they have a museum just devoted to that. Um, but they built a cathedral in, in, in uh, Reykjavik, and people pointed out as it was going up, which took a long time, um, that that's exactly what it re- represented, and that's what it's known as now. Uh, 
Well, it's maybe they're just more enlightened and less prudish in Reykjavik. Well, that is possibly very true, I suppose. Hmm. Yes. But you, you think somebody would notice it. I mean, yes. if that was the the ideal shape for a rocket, you would think the Russians and Americans would have got there exactly. <laughs> but they didn't. So in that just... case, they've obviously decided to do it. Yes. Unless, of course, it is some billionaire's um, way of sticking a finger up at Richard Branson. I don't quite, know. <laughs> quite possibly, yes. <laughs> it is always possible. Well, where are we going to go next? Clearly, you we, and I can't go in space. We don't have the odd 28 million. Well, it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're well, going well, back down to Earth. We're okay. going to the new Aston Martin, the Aston Martin Valhalla, which is apparently will feature in the new Bond movie. Yes. It is north to 62 not north of 60, I don't know why they're out of the two miles now, north of 62 in two and a half seconds, Ooh. which is stonkingly fast, and top speed of 217 miles an hour. Uh, and running on pure electric power, it can get you a distance of 10 miles. 10 miles? 10 miles. Well, virtually, by the time you it put does... your foot down to the floor, you're almost there. <laughs> exactly. It does have a petrol engine as well. It's a hybrid. Mind you, sixty-two miles an hour. So we're talking about just a few, literally a few minutes before you've got to yes. charge it again. Exactly. Isn't that a little impractical? It is a little impractical. I don't think it really counts as a hybrid with a range like that. Uh, but for <laughs> what can you expect for seven hundred thousand pounds? Yeah, you know, you've got to pay serious money if you want to get a proper car. Oh, good grief. On I now, have a the world well, has gone mad. Is this, is this going to be another mad one? Or are you going back to something relatively sane? Uh, I'm going to start with another maddish one. Okay. Um, American children apparently have been mm. binge watching Peppa Pig, and oh. uh, and their parents have recorded uh, that they come up with a not an unusual accent, but unusual vocabulary. They are asking for. Biscuits instead of cookies, they are asking talking about petrol stations instead of gas stations. And one particularly shocked mother has reported that her four year old has started saying bizarre English words like please and thank you. Oh, good grief, what is the world coming to? Oh, well, exactly. with luck, now if only Peppa Pig will do stories about trains, then perhaps they can talk about railway stations, and then American children will talk about railway stations instead of train stations. and People in Britain will stop talking about train stations, talk about railway stations as we're supposed to. That's one of my particular bugbears at the moment. Yes, yeah, so this is the third time you've mentioned it on this show, but do carry is on. It? No oh, one's okay. counting. <laughs> Not today. It's the first time I've mentioned it today. It is the first time today. So down to earth again. In oh, fact, down Have you below. ever watched Paper Pig, by the way? Never. I'm told it's quite amusing. I did watch is one it? episode of an incompetent father putting up um, shelving, which I think you would find quite amusing. Particularly, oh. you're reasonably competent in that field. I, I am quite competent in that field, yes. yes yeah. As long as there are power tools involved. I can't do it without power tools. I can't do anything without power <laughs> tools. It makes you wonder how, the, how people got on before the power tools. When, when were power tools invented then? Oh, the earliest one was a Black & Decker back, I think, in the uh, 1920s. Oh. Hmm. I bet an well, original one of those is worth quite a bit now. Can't get fungible tokens for that. Oh, okay. but Black & Decker brought out a replica some years ago, because it, which was in uh, um, matte aluminium to match the original, and it looks gorgeous. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. You didn't buy one? I'm surprised. I did buy one. Oh, of course okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I put it. It wasn't keep a very it, good keep it in, Oh, keep it in the box. It might uh, yes. be worth something yes. one day. 
back in June, you may recall, mm. we reported on the world's deepest swimming pool, which was being built in, in Cornwall. Cornwall. Was mm. it? Yeah. Uh, 50 metres deep, uh, holding uh, 17 Olympic pools worth of water, and they very kindly put it into your terms, 168 million cups of tea. <laughs> Although I imagine they fill it with water rather than tea. Well, it's been outdone. Oh, wouldn't you already. love to drink in tea? No, I don't think I would love no, to no, drink no. to swim in tea, I meant. But, um, yeah, well, you wouldn't be able to see where you were going, would you? That's true. And then one person will want sugar and someone else will want lemon. It'd be such a mess. Yes, that's true. That is true. Uh, so those have been outdone by uh, the 60-metre pool called Deep Dive Dubai. You can probably work out whereabouts in the world it is. Yes. And this one is not for training astronauts and deep-sea divers, as the one in Cornwall is. It is for tourists. And as you swim down, you pass things like uh, an entire sunken city with right. buildings and cars and trees. And there are apartment windows that are, have full rooms behind them that you can look in as you swim past them. Mm. There's uh, there's footage of people playing table football underwater and uh, sitting at a, a cafe playing chess, although I don't imagine they can order drinks at the cafe because that would get a little awkward. Why? Sounds good. Does it sound good to you? Oh, yes, I'd love to have a go in it. I have been scuba diving, and the trouble is that all that's down there is, is fish, which is a little dull. Whereas <laughs> if there was a sunken city, oh... And they are doing scuba courses for people who have not done it before. Um, and there are 56 CCTVs monitoring it to make sure people don't get into difficulty. I think it sounds fabulous. Oh, you could do CCTV there. They can't do a video in Jeff Bezos's space capsule. Indeed, they can't. Let's right. have one of these. <laughs> Where are we going now? Well, we're going gaming. Valve, who you may not have heard of, Valve are the people who run, operate the Steam platform. Steam? Steam. Just do with Steam trains? Not, traction nothing engines. To do with, nothing oh. to do with Steam trains or traction engines. It's a game platform. Right. And it's a cross-platform platform, which means it runs on Windows and Mac. Right. Not all the games, but uh, most of them do. And it's a very, very popular way of distributing mm. games. It has many millions of users around the world. And they have just released their first piece of hardware, which is the Steam Deck, which is a portable console. And we've seen portable mm. consoles, consoles, like Nintendo Switch and things like that. The you difference say we, is... Yes, you're excluding me, but yes, okay. Yes, we, we as in... The rest of the, the world. world at large, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. And the th what's interesting about this one is it'll play all of the Steam games. So all the games that are made for desktop computers will now play on this handheld console because mm. it, it has some very, very hot uh, graphics and CPU inside mm. it. Uh, it has a seven-inch screen. It also has two joysticks, one for each thumb. It has a D-pad, which lets you go up, down, left, mm. and right. It has four triggers for the fingers holding at the back. It also has two trackpads, so you can move your finger around for selecting mm. things on its menu. And if that's not enough, it also has a touch screen. Um, it is, of course, stereo. Uh, up between two and eight hours playtime, they say, which depending on the kind of game you're playing. I think most of them will be nearer the two hours than the eight. It's uh, a foot wide. 298 millimetres, to be precise, which is quite big. Mm. 
but I think it's going to be an absolute uh, runaway bestseller coming out this Christmas. £349 for the 64 gigabyte version, up to 569 for the 512 gigabyte version. And um, I won't be getting one, but I, th- I know that lots of people will. I think it's a fabulous piece of kit. You mentioned hot there because we are recording this in quite a, a, a warm week. Yes, my son was complaining that his games console, I can't remember what it is now. Uh, when it gets too hot, it just turns itself off. He's in the middle oh. of the game and suddenly it gets baking hot in his room and off it goes. I have Maybe. the same problem with my iPhone occasionally in, um, in the car. My air oh. conditioning doesn't work. So suddenly it will just suddenly say, it's too hot. I'm turning off for a while. It has a little temperature thing uh, to, to uh. alert you. And of course, if you're actually using SatNav at the time and trying to find yes. somewhere and you've not been there, it's really quite inconvenient. You have to sort of find somewhere to stop and wait while it, it cools down and thinks. In the days before sat-nav on phones, I used to have a TomTom sat-nav, which was a hardware unit, and it was fixed to my car windscreen via a little rubber sucker that came with it. And I was uh, driving to somewhere uh, up in the Midlands, and I thought, I won't go on the motorway, I'll go cross-country. Because uh, it's lovely, yeah. It's lovely, yeah, exactly. And I was in the depths of the, the wilderness when the rubber seal failed right it threw the sat nav onto the uh floor cracked the screen and it didn't work so i was there and i thought well there's a map somewhere in the car but i got the map out and i thought i have absolutely no, no idea where i am oh yeah how bizarre i did borrow one of those i, I terrible thing going back to the old days when technology was still young but i remember wanting to see if i would get on with the sat nav and borrowing my neighbor's tom tom and heading off to a cricket game on a Sunday. And then there was this massive traffic jam. But did I, it actually occur to me that I had a sat-nav and I could have turned off the junction and it would have told me how to go around. But yes. it never occurred to me until I found myself telling somebody about the sat-nav at the game. But yes, it never it would occur uh, to me now. I've yes. learned you know, in the ensuing 20 years or whatever it was. Well, what most sat-navs then would have done would be to try and take you back to that junction if they would have thought operator error. Oh, I'll take okay. it so it might loop. not have helped me. So you have to sort of busk it, and then suddenly it'll think, oh, I know a better but way. We need to take a break in a moment. But uh, since we're on the subject, because I think it's quite useful to people, because I was talking to somebody else who is sort of using Google Maps in the car. What what do you reckon is the best sat-nav app at the moment? Because you need one that does update uh, for traffic, don't you? Because the yes. situation changes. Well, either Google Maps or Waze. And since uh, Google bought Waze, it's really a matter of personal preference. I I like Waze. Um, People say that Google Maps is just as good. Uh, There's not a lot difference between them. And of course, they do do both very much take account of traffic. Uh, I sometimes find Waze, if you sort of refresh Waze and go to routes while you're driving, though you're not supposed to press the thing, I know when you are driving, sometimes it will find you a kicker route that it hadn't told you about already. I do wonder sometimes if it keeps things from me, unless I ask it. <laughs> it's it's almost certainly uh, telling all your innermost thoughts to yes. uh, to Bill Gates, but I wouldn't worry about that. No, well, he's probably going up to the moon or something next week. Okay, Steve, mm. uh, let us take a very quick break. Back in a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation, of course, as ever, with Steve Kaplan. So, what's up next? Well, we were talking about uh, well, Google what's up, Maps. We're not talking about rockets <clears throat> again. 
Yep. We're not. We're yep. down to earth again. Talking about Google Maps, hmm. and there was a bit of a scare story this week that Google Maps also does uh, walking directions and hmm. as well as driving directions. And when people try to plan a route to up Ben Nevis, Google Maps would take them to the nearest car park and then show them the route from there. Potentially fatal, apparently. <laughs> it is, even for experienced climbers, the route from the car park is, is absolutely terrible, what it recommended. So Google have recognised this, and when you ask it to go up, then Ben Nevis, it now takes you to the visitor centre where you could ask someone. Right, okay. Well, I suppose, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, and while we're on the subject of you know, walking and being directed by apps. Um, I assume I'm not the only person who who tries to find directions from um, emerging from a tube station or a railway station, no, railway rather than train station, and uh, finds myself heading off and then you realise it's going, you're going the wrong way because you can't orientate yourself. Is there yes. a clever way of telling the sat-nav which way you're going to head before you actually start walking? Because, I mean, the pavements are full of people doing 180 degree turns because Google yes. Maps has told them to go a particular way no, and they're heading in the wrong direction. It is curious that they don't tell you because Google, of course, knows which way you're facing because your phone knows which way you're facing. Yes. But for some reason, they choose not to tell you. The other thing about Google Maps on phones is mm -hmm. if you pinch to zoom, it'll show you the scale as it changes. Once you stop pinching, the scale disappears. I would like to see the scale all the time because I just like to know if I'm you know, a, a mile away from my destination or 20 yards. I hadn't noticed that. Hmm. I have to go somewhere. Find you have to go cake. somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Chance would exactly. be a fine thing. So what now? On to supermarkets. And Morrison's have become the latest supermarket to try self-service in the sense of self-service in a shop with no personnel, no mm. catch-out, no mm. checkouts, no cashiers, not even self-service uh, checkouts. You just pick up what you want and you walk out with it. And what's interesting about it is they're doing it entirely with cameras, monitoring what you're picking up. Whereas the Amazon version, which they've been trialing in Seattle, uh, uses cameras combined with scales in all of the shelves. So when you pick right. something up, it registers that you're there and it checks the weight of what you've picked up and it also checks it against its database to see what you've picked up. Hmm. But Morrison says it's just theirs. They are uh, starting out one store. They haven't opened it up yet. Uh, and it'll origin initially be for Morrison's staff. Uh, and then it'll be open to the public. So we, we look forward to that. On Humberside, I believe. Look forward to the first journalist popping into the loo, changing his clothes, and the system not recognising him. Uh, yes. Is that not the case with Amazon? But it, it seems odd. I mean, if Morrison's has a USP, there are too many supermarkets. Most business analysts would acknowledge in this country. Too many chains, anyway. Um, uh, but you would say that if Morrison's has one unique selling point, being a largely northern-based organisation, it's the friendliness of the staff. Yes. Yes. So they're getting rid of the one thing perhaps that differentiates themselves from almost everybody else. It is odd. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in other supermarket news, bad news for Ocado, who had to cancel a whole load of orders recently mm. uh, because three robots started a fire in their warehouse. Mm. I don't know if they are disgruntled about having to work well, long hours they're moving, without breaks. No, they're moving through evolution. Uh, they, they said, oh, I understand if you rub two twigs together. You get an interesting reaction. That could be it. How exciting. Who knows where they'll go <laughs> I next. don't think it's the first time robots have caused a fire. It's the third 
at least the third fire they've had. I think one started in some rubbish bin outside, but I've got a feeling another one, which is an Andover. I can't, I may not remember this correctly now, but that was also some problem with the robot that had set up the fire. Um, hmm. Nobody from the fire brigade ever popped around as they do at home occasionally and said, have you thought of getting some smoke detectors and a sprinkler system? Well, unless it's one robot carrying a consignment of barbecue coal and another one carrying <laughs> a, a, a box of matches. Uh, yes, it is a problem. It's just, mm. yes, one fire may be considered unfortunate. Yes. Yes. I can't remember. I can't remember how the creation goes on. So let's move on. What now? Let's move on. I think it's time for our crowdfunding time of the week. Well, that's the first time we've had that fanfare. You have spent about the last five years complaining that the fanfare that we had before, which is this one, was too medieval, and so you've composed a new one. Which yes. is lovely. Thank you. It's, it's just got a bit more zing to it. Shall we have it again, just for <laughs> because we can? <laughs> yes. Oh, there we are. And what is it going to... I particularly I enjoy think... the long tail, which reminds yeah. me of Ghost Town by the specials. But anyway, let us... Um, yes, let us reference we'll not be surprised to learn I don't get, but uh, that's fine. They were uh, presumably a popular music combo, are they? Yes, they were. Okay. Back in the 1980s, when, frankly, you should have been aware of them. Oh, no, no, I gave up oh, pop music when the monkeys split up. And that was earlier than that. <laughs> Dear. Okay. Uh, this is, well... Uh, I play the saxophone very badly, and I have friends who play the saxophone I don't think I knew very that. well. Huh. That I played badly? You would know to have played it badly if you ever heard me playing it. No, I don't ever heard you play it. Oh, that's, that's a good reason for that. Okay. But the trouble with saxophones is that they are quite bulky, especially if it's a tenor saxophone or even a baritone saxophone. Oh, come on, you're going to get no that's sympathy from me. I played the cello as a young man. Well, that's absolutely right. Introducing on Indiegogo the travel sax too. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what happened to the Travel Sax 1, but this is the mm. Travel Sax 2. It is a mere 22 centimetres long. It's about eight inches. Mm. It has all the right keys for the saxophone, but squeezed up into a smaller length. Uh, I think that eight inches not included in the mouthpiece, which you clip on when you want to, to play it. It has a built-in speaker. Uh, it also plays through uh, headphones if you want to play without annoying other people. And it has an internal synthesizer so you can make your saxophone sound like a glockenspiel or strings or whatever else you want it to sound like are you tempted uh i am not because i play it so badly but if i were a better saxophone player i would certainly be tempted although the price of 455 euros that's 390 pounds ish and that is the super early bird price still available as we record this show. I think um, that would slightly put me off because you get a fairly decent saxophone for that. If you did more practice, you'd probably get better. I know, but that could be said about anything, couldn't it? Well, that's probably true. Uh, it is. Oddly enough, I was at a music gig recently and we we're talking to the double bass uh, uh, chap about... Uh, carrying big instruments around, certainly double bass rather more inconvenient mm. than the cello. And he was saying you can actually get double basses now that sort of bits of it sort of fold up. Yes. And they're still absolutely fantastic. I've yeah. never seen it. He was describing it, but I'd love to see one of those. Right, we've got time for something very short, or we could very just say short. Goodbye. There is a big problem with dog poo on the streets of Tel Aviv. Oh. They reckon that the streets have amassed 500 kilograms of it this year alone. We're only halfway through the year. 
right. which is quite a lot of dog poop. They've so got tell a me, new they're approach. powering Tel Aviv with it now. They are not, but they are making their owners register their dog's DNA. So when they find <laughs> some on the street, they can do a DNA test on it, track the people down, and then find them 720 shekels, which is about 160 of your English quids. Gosh. Well, on that bombshell. Bombshell, indeed. We shall say goodbye. Steve, thank you very much indeed. We will have more gadgets and gizmos at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.